Welcome along to another nostalgia trip with the Jack's Throwback Attack podcast. Hello and thanks for giving my podcast a listen. This time around we have some memories of CBBC when it broadcast every day from Television Centre in London as well as memories of weekend mornings on GMTV's Kids Output and the Disney Channel as well back in the noughties. I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, so I'm pleased to have with me on the podcast this time uh, Liam Dolan. How are you doing? Hello, I'm very well. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. Thanks for uh, agreeing to take part in the podcast today. You're very welcome. Thanks for asking me. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I love it. Thank you very much. It's nice to have such glowing praise right at the start. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It just um, it just takes you back on a, on a trip down memory lane, which is full of fond memories. Indeed, indeed. So yeah, we're we're going to talk about um, those uh, those glory days of children's television back in the noughties. Um, first off, I just want to ask, um, how did you break into the world of TV presenting? Well, I was a, I've always worked as an entertainer, and I used to work as a red coat in Blackpool, and then I went to uh, Disney Cruise Line. So I worked for I worked for Disney. And my cousin sent me a message, and this was back in 99, yeah, late 99. Um, and he sent me a message and he said, Jamie Theakston's running about jumping out of a helicopter on a telly outfit. And I went, what? He said, they're looking, for, they're looking for people for the BBC. And I went, right, okay. He said, but they're looking for a, a new face of, of CBBC, children's television. Um, I think you should enter it. And I was like, all right. So I was on the ship at the time in America. So I came back and entered the competition, which was called BBC Talent. And back in the day, they were looking for they were looking for everybody. There was a sports presenter, there was a Radio One newsbeat presenter, there was uh, radio DJs, writers, uh, and of course they were looking for the new face of of CBBC. Cool. And so, um, so I'm guessing you applied, and you had to go through multiple auditions and be whittled yeah, down. I, um... I auditioned, there was 14 and a half, and now this is really weird because they're weird numbers, but I've told this story so many times that I remember them uh, so well. There was 14 and a half thousand people mm-hmm. had uh, applied for the CBBC job, and then that went down to a thousand people, then down to 83, and the 83, I think, did we all go down to London? Yeah, I, th- I, think, we, I think we did, and then from 83 it went to 23, and well, the, the 23 went to, to London and we went into Television Centre and we had a meeting and all that kind of stuff and a, a screen test. And those 23 people got narrowed down to three. And then there was a live televised programme um, and the audience, the studio audience, had to vote for for the three uh, CBBC presenters. And so it went from that down to me and I won it. Great stuff. That must have been quite... Uh... <laughs> Quite a, a journey, really, to go from that many people down to you out of fourteen and a half thousand. That's uh, something quite cool to uh, claim. <laughs> oh, it was, it was great, and um, and at every stage you think, oh, this is this is. It was just very exciting. There was a program that Vernon Kay did, um, and they came from Glasgow, and that was part of the initial audition process. So I went up to Glasgow, and then obviously somebody there had seen me and moved it on and, and suggested that I went. But to go down to to the three people and you think well this is because you're getting to do the telly stuff by then um which was just absolutely incredible and then to have won it 
it, there's a clip somewhere that it's it announced that I'm the winner. And I can't speak. I'm so emotional about it. And I, I just can't say, you know, they're going, how do you feel? And I was like, I'm all choked up and all emotional because it's something I've always wanted to do. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. That's that's quite a story. And um, so how was it really, you know, to go from entertaining on, a, on cruise ships to then being on what was something that was watched by quite a number of millions of people um, on television? I mean, do you remember like your first day and stuff like that? Yeah, I remember going in and I'd started in the November um, and I was doing uh, just kind of shadowing for a while and watching everyone and, you know, seeing the studio and getting the talk back in my ear and getting used to listening to that and somebody else talking to you. And and, uh, and then we would do um, CBBC Overseas. It was the, the, the choice and the prime stuff. Mm-hmm. I know that Mike spoke about that as well. Um, and I was laughing when I was listening to his, Michael Underwoods, because he was like, that's where all the new people went. And also, I don't know if you mentioned this, but we always used to do all the bank holiday stuff. When everybody was off and wanted bank holiday Fridays yeah. Ends and Mondays, it was like, oh, Liam will do that, and you go, yeah, of course I will, yeah, of course, don't need a bank holiday because I'm getting to record all this, all this telly stuff. But it was so daunting because it was back in the day of it was Television Centre, which was only Television Centre then, and you kind of grown up. I had grown up watching this place and and that famous iconic building. Yeah, it it, it was. Um... I visited it once or twice, like the tours that they would do. I uh, remember seeing Pointless being filmed as well towards the end of um, Television Centre's life. And it is a it's a grand building and you think, wow, you know, all the stuff that's been recorded here over, what was it, 50 years? It was uh, uh, BBC Television Centre before it got sold off. And yeah, it is incredible. It must have been something else to uh, walk through there and, and think, oh, I work here. You know, yeah. and just to have the pass to be a BBC pass and walk in, and then you would pass people in the corridor or at a little coffee shop thinking, you know, you would fil- finish filming something and then you would go upstairs in the viewing gallery and you'd look down and there was um, a Joanna Lumley's film in Absolutely Fabulous. And then yeah. I remember I used to be a big fan of Heidi High, and I remember sitting in the canteen at the, at the BBC and the guy who played Fred Quilly, the jockey, Felix Bonus, I think his name was was sitting two tables next to me. And I was like, oh my God. But it was just so, because everybody was kind of in telly the world there, you know, and it, nobody was really phased by it, apart from the, the new people. Yeah, when you knew, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was there ever a point where you kind of got used to it when you were in Television Centre, or was it always still, you know, still exciting? <laughs> it, it was still exciting. You you got to see the same people that were there mm. all the time, you, you know, news readers and uh, presenters and, and people like that. But... There was a time when we were doing um, Children in Need was on and, you know, we were doing the, t- the the stuff at TC9 and it was like, oh, we've got a guest coming over from Children in Need. And I was like, all right, OK. And you can interview him. And I was like, all right, OK. And I thought, I don't know who it is. It's somebody's on. And Terry Wogan came through the door and sat down and, and then like, right, it's very quickly, you know, Terry's not got a lot of time. And I was thinking, oh, my God, I'm interviewing Terry Wogan. <laughs> I was so I was so like oh my I'm really really nervous he was so lovely as well but a huge huge star indeed he was yeah that, that's great that's a great story and that must have been quite nerve-wracking to do actually oh completely yeah. I'm so <laughs> nervous and I said and I said that to him I said this is really strange I said because you know I, I'm fairly new to this and here I am interviewing you when you so and he said oh don't worry he said you're, you're great he said you'll, you'll have a great time and, and it's really nice to do it so so nice 
Indeed, great stuff. Well, um, talk us through like an average day doing CBBC. Um, I've asked a few people this, and I'm always interested to hear like the different versions. Like, you know, what time would you kind of come in? And you know, I'm guessing you do like a run through rehearsal, and what time would you finish? Kind of, what would be the average yeah, day? We would go in uh, kind of normal um, office hours because we pre-record the breakfast show in the afternoon. So in the morning, we would go in, we'd have a team meeting, they would chat about what was happening that day that week and then we would um watch all the cartoons we would have the, there was a presenter's desk in the corner which was so uh, everybody else's desk was just kind of offices that else with you know there's puppets and there was toys and there was t-shirts and all these things and tapes galore you know it was like a, it was like an um a blockbuster video because it, it was just stacked up and you had and the tellies that had the the video on the bottom you know that so we had to play them and we'd watch all the cartoons and we so we could back ref them and um so we'd do that and then it would be lunchtime we'd go to the canteen upstairs that I was just talking about and uh, the east tower we'd go up there and have lunch and then after lunch it'd be into makeup and uh, to get ready for the um the pre-record in the afternoon because the studio time was always quite precious because the studio engineers and everybody that was in the studio camera operators sound ops people in the gallery they were there for the whole time because they would do, you know, they would do the the, the pre-recorded breakfast and then they would do the live, which kind of started, I think, about half past three or something. So we had to get yeah. down quick. And I also remember around that time, and you mentioned it briefly just, because um, we had uh, CBBC um, between about half three and five-ish weekdays. Yeah. There was also... Um, CBBC Choice, um, which I remember, which was kind of, it was like on a loop. It was like four hours and it would loop around like three or four times through the day. I seem to remember something like that. And um, I believe it was pre-recorded. Like, was that recorded in the same studio or or was that separate or was it, and what time of day was that usually done? Was it in blocks? It was recorded in the same studio, uh, the one that you would look out into the the Blue Peter Garden. Mm. Um, with the, the big glass wall, but they would they would have sections of it. So the afternoon would be set up, and it'd be you know different, not different branding, but different yeah. kind of things that you know there was programs, and you know they would have posters and things like that, and pictures and cutouts of people, and then they would just kind of flip the studio around, um, so you'd be on one side of it, filming one section, and then even after you know I remember I used to do the birthday cards, and the birthday cards for the Monday were pre-recorded on the Friday, right? <laughs> but sometimes we'd pre-record them after the live uh, transmission. So they'd be like, right, quickly turn around and then you'd sit next to Noddy and the beanbags and all that kind of thing. And, um, but everybody wanted out. And I remember doing five and a half minutes of birthday cards and then said, you know, there's more birthday cards tomorrow. Happy birthday, if it's your birthday. And right now it's time for the tweenies. And they had to stop and do it all again because it was the Teletubbies. Oh and no. I'd- and I got them wrong. But you could see everybody. I mean, it was the end of the week. It was Friday. It was six o'clock. Everybody wanted to go out for the weekend. Everybody wanted, everybody had plans. A really long week and really busy. And I, so I wasn't very popular by getting <laughs> But I had to do all the, and then had to pretend with all these cards that I'd never seen them before. <laughs> like, oh, well, that's lovely. I've just done it three minutes ago, but got it wrong. <laughs> 
it's it, it's an easy one to mix up. They both begin with T. They're very similar shows, you know. So yeah. <laughs> uh, they were both very big at the time. Um, I, it's funny actually. I, I forgot about the birthday cards. Really, I, I, I guess that's just because I'm, you know, I don't watch children's television anymore. But that was such a staple part of CBBC. Every morning or afternoon, the birthday cards with the the, the little windows people would put on them, and yeah. it must have got sack loads of those sent in every single day by the looks of it. Absolutely. And then you had to be very careful if you picked up, you know, if you if you picked up a handful of them, uh, we, we were told not to do that because you would go just have a handful before we record. Because if I pick up a handful of cards on the screen now, for example, and you've sent a card in, you would look and go, that's my card that's coming up. So it'd be really disappointed kids because they knew it was going to happen. So you had to do them all individually and, and one yeah. at a time. But it was great. I mean, it was it was so good. I loved it. <laughs> Who'd have thought there'd be a system to doing birthday cards? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, right? Um, because you'd sit and you'd look at your camera and then there would be another camera on the card and then there'd be a monitor over there so you're trying to remember and then you know weirdly you're opening up something and talking about it that you can't see because it's on the other side of you so that was those kind of learning things you had to do certainly and um the other thing as well i guess you'd have to be so careful with them because they're made out of paper you'd easily damage one yeah uh, be very careful. Yes, you, yeah, you had to be very, very careful. And sometimes they just you know, they get squashed. I and mean, they came in thousands upon thousands because everybody wanted to have their kids carved right out on telly. Yeah, different days. I don't know if that happens as much now. But like I said, I don't, I don't watch a lot. No, I don't know. It's probably all email now. <laughs> That'll be uh, it. Here's a text. Yeah, a text. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned that you had to, you know, watch the shows that you were talking about, so you had an idea. Um, did you have any favourites that you really enjoyed watching uh, around that era? I used to love all the kind of dramas, your Grange Hills, your Biker Groves, all those kind of things when I was kind of growing up watching it. So when we watched those programmes, I really liked it. But the one thing that I remember was um, was Charlie Chalk. Oh, yeah, yeah. Back again. So when I was 11... I said to my careers advisor at school, she said, what do you want to be? And I said, oh, I want to be a children's, t- I want to present children's BBC. And she kind of laughed and she said, oh, I think you should maybe consider a trade or something, or, you know, it's very good to have ambition and all that. Um, she said, I think you should maybe be a joiner or a plumber or something like that. And I was thinking, there is no way I'm going to do that. So years later, when when Charlie Chalk came back and I had to introduce it for the first time, and I was like, Oh, this is, it just took me back to that meeting of her going, no, you'll never get to do that, son. That's, you know, don't do that. And that's when I remember going, well, never thought I'd say it, but here he is, got a wacky way of walking and a wacky way of talking. It's Charlie Chalk. <laughs> and, and that was great. I, I loved doing that. Wonderful. It's it's nice, those stories, when people look back at what they were told when they are younger and like, here I am now. Yeah. Uh, I've had that one a few times over this podcast. It's nice to hear stuff like that. It's funny, actually, just hearing uh, Charlie Chalk had forgotten about that. That actually used to be a Charlie Chalk-themed, um, uh, like, a bull pit place um, near to where I lived really? at the time. Yeah, so that's my introduction to Charlie Chalk, <laughs> not the programme, the fact that we had a Charlie Chalk's, um, like, wacky warehouse-type place. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they had a few of them across the country, I think, I found out recently. Um, um, The other thing with um, CBBC as well is um, various people who were involved in the shows, like the presenters or the actors would come into the studio, um, you know, to promote whatever show's coming up. Um, Are there any that you you remember or, you know, was like a joy to meet and chat with? There was loads, loads of people, and and the turnaround was really quick. I remember... um, 
A1 coming out of all the bands, A1 mm. steps. Uh, Hearsay yep. is a big fan of, of pop stars. So when Hearsay came in, I was thinking, this is incredible. They're coming in to, to chat to us. And, you know, I've watched them. So I was kind of starstruck by them. But one of the biggest telly stars that came into the studio, believe it or not, was Brum. Oh, Brum. yeah. Yeah, I remember Brum, yeah. Brum came with an entourage of people. Oh. It was so, so, it was like really bizarre. I had to be briefed before my interview with Brum. And don't say this and don't say that and don't refer to him as a car, as a character and all these things. And I was thinking, wow, this this car's got people. <laughs> so one of the biggest stars was Brum. Right, okay. I wasn't expecting that answer. No. <laughs> I'm trying to think how does that how does that interview go on? He doesn't speak. I'm guessing he beats his horn react. or whatever. And the lights flash and the yeah. doors open. Yeah. All that. <laughs> remember Brum very well seen as I come from very near Birmingham so <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. um great and and of course as well with a lot of um CBBC presenters it'd always be tied to like a puppet and I remember during your year was it Emlyn the Gremlin was the Emlyn main one the yeah um yeah. I, I just love because I grew up watching you know you it was Gordon the Gopher and Ed the Duck and um I'll tell you a funny story about Ed the Duck actually uh I used to be uh well, I used to live in London and I was partly with Toby Anstis and Toby came around to the house and we were sitting there, he was talking about CBBC and he said, I need to get an Ed the Duck. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm doing university stuff. He said, I have to get an, an Ed the Duck. And I said, well, I've got one. I said, you can just, you can have mine. So Toby, so Toby took the Ed the Duck on tour with him. Um, but that was his puppet uh, at the time. Emily McGremlin was mine. And uh, I said it was mine. It was at my, my kind of time. But he was... The character of Eamon the Gremlin was just so funny. And the yes. guy created and worked it. And he was just, he was funny as well. So you would literally be sitting. You know the way now that um, Hacker, you know, yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff. It's like, I, I genuinely think they are brilliant. Uh, and they worked so hard. But Eamon the Gremlin was very, very good fun to work with. Top stuff, top stuff. And um, yeah, out of... I mean, I know it was a, a couple of years, but to try and sum it all up in like one memory. Like, do you have like a top memory from that time, like your favourite moment? Oh wow! Well, um, well, that's tough. That question because it was so. It was, it was so you can reel off a few if if you want to instead. <laughs> I, I think I think getting the job was was brilliant. I loved all the outside broadcast stuff as well. We used to go away and film, and mm. you know, down at Leeds Castle or. Um, Michael and I did a thing where we were called uh, two bumbling secret agents called the Liam and Michael experience. So we were the two secret agents and the kids would write in and, and, and ask us to do things. We went to uh, London Zoo, we climbed the fence, we fed the penguins, we went wing walking in Siren Sister and it was just like, oh, just brilliant. Good stuff. Um, I remember, um, it wasn't like a, oh, what was it like a, uh, was it like a, I, I want to say the phrase "party in the park," but that's that's not it. But like a, a live CBBC in a Proms park, in park thing. What Proms was it? Sorry, proms in the park. Proms. CBBC proms. That was um, it. Again, brilliant. That was another great uh, live event. It was just so so good. Must have been, yeah, yeah. And I, I guess because uh, you'd done like the work in cruise ships and entertaining large crowds, it was like a natural thing for you to go and do. Yeah. All those people, and also yeah. those kind of things that you think you only ever get to go to these things. So mm. when we, I used to be like the like Disney Channel Kids Awards and all that kind of stuff, and you know you're at the Albert Hall, 
yeah. somewhere, and it's packed, and you're thinking this is this is brilliant. Good. Um, I just had a random memory come to me actually while you were talking about like the outside stuff, and 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 as you said, the the studio um, out uh, looked out onto the Blue Peter Garden. And um, there was obviously like um, little get phoning competitions you do with with viewers. Um, there's one that's just come back to me, and I think it was called Busy Bees or something like that. And someone would be dressed uh, in an outfit, and there'd be buckets with one to ten on. Yes. And someone would phone in, get a question right, pick one to ten. It would either have something nice in it, like confetti, or it'd be yeah. gunge. And yeah. I think you did it, and, and a few other people. Am I remembering right on this? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that was during the like the the summer hot to the holidays on too. Oh yeah, yeah. The the bees had the busy bee had they had a sting in the tail, and you had to pop the balloons. So oh, different game. I'm thinking of there. Yeah, what's the one I'm thinking of? That came with the unlucky buckets. Ah, unlucky right. Balloons. So when you pop the balloon, if you got so many balloons, you got to the buckets. Right. And then, Somebody was sitting underneath, and the and the caller would pick one to ten, um, and the and the guy who dressed up as the garden gnome would come and pull the buckets. I mean, there was everything. There was porridge, custard, yeah, baked beans, slosh. Oh yeah, great. As I remember you um, like hosting that game. Were you ever on the receiving end of the buckets? <laughs> Any point? Yes, I've, I've been I've been gunged uh, quite a few times in my in my kids' telly time. Um, and it's freezing. Yeah, <laughs> it has to stay cold to, to keep the consistency, so that it doesn't kind of warm up. Um, and it's that kind of unexpected, the you know, the anticipation kind of you don't know when it's happening. Mm. Um, I really, and it goes everywhere. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're in the chance of getting guns, it's not just bring a towel and a different t-shirt. It's everything, and I mean everything has to come off and wash. Yeah. I went to go and see um, the live version of dick and dom in the bungalow because it's their 20th anniversary and my friend was one of the lucky chosen ones to go up on stage and be a bungalow head so they got covered in pies and gunge i mean there had there was an application process so we were aware and there was spare changes of clothes it's funny actually because there was a game that they did called two-word tango um where it was them and an opponent and they had to say a word on a particular subject and then they had to say a word and it was whoever would like stall would yeah. lose and they actually said um category naughty cbbc presenters <laughs> and my <laughs> friend my friend who wasn't the one taking part in this round kind of looked at me from her and i just mouthed like i'd be good at this <laughs> so i was there thinking up of people and and the person who took part i think stalled after only two or three <laughs> no so that would have been fun they, they two are just brilliant dick and dom and you know it's chaos because the, when you're interviewing those two and and I love them both to bits. They're great, great guys. But when you're interviewing, you're thinking, "Oh, here we go," because there's no point listening to the time in your ear. It, you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, you, you could be reading something off the script, and they go, "You don't need that," and they throw it away. And you're thinking, "I, d I didn't know what," I d I, and you've got to just go. And I, I love that anarchy kind of <laughs> interview. It's brilliant. They certainly were. They certainly were. The bungalow was oh, just a mental show, but fondly remembered. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. So let's move on to uh, some of the other stuff then. Um, so after CBBC, um, so uh, was it was it about two years you did with CBBC, roughly three years? No, I, I think it was about a year or something, maybe oh, a year and a okay. half. Um, and then it was when all the changes were happening. We all went to the big meeting about you know the new before CBBS had a name. You know, we were they're launching this digital channel, and um, 
and that's when the, the changes kind of were happening and they, and they didn't know what was going on. But um, everything kind of changed then. You know, the presenter lineup, the studios changed, um, the format changed, the, you know, the viewing times, figures and everything else had changed. So it was quite a kind of small circle then uh, back in the day. So, you you know, your Nickelodeon, I went and had a meeting with Nickelodeon. I went and had a meeting with GMTV Kids. Um, who else? Did we, I went down to Maidstone uh, and chatted to, the names have just escaped me, Maddie Darrow, yeah, down to, to all these people. Um, and then I left CBBC at the same time as Michael, and that's when I went to, there was a game called Rocket Race, which was part of the GMTV Kids Dig It program. Yeah. So I went to host this. In fact, no, it was before that, I got asked to go in uh, as a guest, and then the two uh, the two presenters had said to us, right, we're going to turn the tables on you. You have to present and interview us. Thinking, all right, that's fun. But I didn't realise that was where we're live screen test. Ah, okay. I found out afterwards that's what the producers had said. Let's just see how they do it live and, and see if they can get the get the gig. Fair dues. And and you did. Um, so you did, because uh, it was Dig It, then, then Digging It. I, I don't know why they changed the name. Um, I think it was to include... What? The, the the puppet we had a we had a, a well a puppet a giant character um who was called it um and i think if it was just called dig it it was just the change really a kind of rebranding thing as well yeah um but i went on with the someone else event danielle nichols oh yeah yeah i that did the uh the rocket race game um in the in the summer and then I got on really well with everybody and, and it was really good. And then I got invited to this end of like rap party. I thought it was a rap party. And I lived in Richmond at the time, so it was it was down on the river. And I went, well, I'll just go to that. What I didn't realise was that I had been offered the job and the current presenter was leaving. And I went to his leaving party and I didn't realise it was and I got his job. But I didn't realize I, I didn't realise I was I didn't realise that's what it was, otherwise I probably would never have gone. Yeah. And I was like, oh no, this is terrible. This guy's leaving and his contract's not been renewed and he's not been asked to take over the new programme. But the new guy, me, has just turned up and oh just naivety, I suppose. Um <laughs> that's how that's how that happened. I see, I see. And um uh, I, I was just trying to remember uh digging it. I remember watching it. Um oh, was it just Sunday mornings or was it both weekend mornings? I can't Ooh. remember anymore. We were we were live on a Saturday morning from seven to nine twenty five. So it was before um, SMTV Live, and then on a Sunday, uh, we we pre recorded the Sunday on the Saturday afternoon. Right. Okay. Clever. How to do it? <laughs> You'd never tell though. Yeah. After the live show, quick change, quick bit of makeup, quick bite to eat, and yep. back in and, and completely change. So I had taken over the Sunday uh, section of that as mm -hmm. well as doing the Saturday. Yeah, and um, so what was like your your memories of doing that? You know, was it was it just as fun as CBBC? Was it a lot of laughs, uh, guests, and that kind of thing who come in? It was great. It was it was different because at CBBC we had to do the full week we were in all, all the time. Whereas with with Dig It and Digging It, uh, well Dig It was Dig It was live. So when we did Dig It, we were in Teddington. But we used to, get, I mean, it was really weird because I was living in London and I think it was maybe 23 or 24 and friends would be like, oh, we're going out this weekend. Yeah. When we're going out, Friday, can't do Friday. 
oh, why not? Because I'm in bed at nine because I'm up at three uh, to get showered and ready and go to the studio. And But we used to just have a, a production meeting on the Thursday, meeting on the Friday, and then the Saturday we'd, pre uh, we'd do the live show, then the Sunday it was pre-recorded. So I would be finished work on a Saturday afternoon and that was me again until the Thursday. Not too it bad. Was, it was great. It was really weirdly great, but I, I really enjoyed it. But the, the programme was brilliant. And of course, um, we were in the middle of London. It was Saturday morning. So everybody was coming in. Um, you know, all the bands that are still around now, all the bands that didn't quite make it, your D-sides and Blazing Squads and all these, you know, all these people. Um, but the best thing we did with, with Dig It, digging it was uh, with the sketches we used to do all the characters and all the sketches and you know I was dressed up at one point I was Pat Butcher and then we were dressed up as David Dickinson and different school characters and it was just brilliant it was great great fun um, so you were talking about the um, like the sketches you do on Digging It, all the comedy stuff. There was a, a lot of um, games as well and, and Gunji games, I remember. And on my way up here, I remembered randomly a game. You might have to explain it to me better because I only remember, remember bits, but it was like a, a, a grown-up or a teacher would have to answer questions and at the end you were dressed as dinner ladies and you'd empty like vats of <laughs> gunge on them or, or school dinners. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It was um, it was it was a little bit. Like, I think it was an homage to to Dave Benson Phillips get your own back, um, and the kids had to nominate who they really want. And the chances are that these teachers or parents or, uh, you know, the the siblings or whatever it was, they ended up getting good. Um, and I can't remember what it was called, but I remember it. Be, it was set in a school dinner. So the, so the whole the whole studio was transformed into this canteen. And I said, it'd be funny if I was a dinner lady, because you didn't really get many dinner men. Um, so we, the, we got the wigs department in and the makeup department and everything else. And I became this this school teacher. And um, But the slops were inside. It was all like everything that they could. But that was everything. Because I remember there was a programme in Scotland and I, I watched this thing. And he had one plate, but on the plate was the mince and the jelly and the cream and the and everything poured. So it was just revoltingly disgusting. And that's what these that's what these people would get all over the top of the uh, top of their heads and things like that. But the kids loved it. I mean we loved it. And they, they were all they were all good sports for coming in. Yeah, definitely. That's one thing I, I remember really for some reason children's television around then was just obsessed with gunge, a mess. Um, I don't I don't think it happens as much now. Yeah. Um, it, no, I don't think so. We'll be helping see thing now, probably. <laughs> Especially when using food and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> kind of going back to the uh, the Dick and Dom live tour, like I'd applied to be on stage as well, as well as my friend, and you had to like basically say you're not allergic to various things like eggs and dairy and nuts and that, because all these things now that you've got to be careful with in these different times, but I suppose for the better, really. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I mean, was it fun as well with digging it, because you got to dress up as daft character so i guess there's a bit of acting to it as well not just presenting yeah it was always kind of you know we we had a hair salon in one of the one of the dressing rooms transformed into a hair salon called wigging it um, <laughs> okay so, so we used to have um all these celebrities coming in and, and we were in so abby who was my co-presenter she she was uh she was chantelle the, the the owner and i was i was david dickinson but i don't i don't even know why i ended up being David Dickinson in there, but I think I was I think I was doing the makeup and the tan because yeah. he you know, he's a Bobby Dazzler and all that kind of thing, um, and 
we used to just have these. But the, the guests are so good, you know. Saturday morning, some of them had been out, you know, doing live PAs and things like that in town until half one, two in the morning. They'd come in to us really early, but they got right involved and they absolutely loved it. Good stuff. It's always nice uh, when that happens. Um, it kind of reminds me of... Um... Uh, it was a year or two ago when they did that documentary about SMTV and all the pop stars said like, oh, we love, you know, we love doing it. We love doing Saturday mornings, you know, and we always hated it when, like they said, you couldn't or, you know, you've just got to come on and do the song and come off. No, we want to take part in the games and that. And yeah. It's mad that, really. Because it's so different. Because if you imagine, if you're on a promo tour and you're S Club 7 mm. and, you know, you've, you've got a new single out, people want to hear the new single and chat about the new single. What does it mean? What's it like? Who's the best? So... The radio interviews they would do up and down the country, all the televised things. So it was kind of monotonous for them because they would, you know, you would see you would see a difference in a band or a or a, a guest if they couldn't get involved. Yeah, you know, no time they would just be like, we've watched this and we know that you know somebody was guns from Blue last week or somebody you know Westlife were in or so they really enjoyed it because they got to do what we do every week, which is be big kids and have fun. Yeah, yeah, why not? breaks up the monotony of uh, doing tours and PA stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. And um, so uh, how long did you do um, uh, Dig It slash Digging It for? That was for, I think I did the last series of Dig It. Um, and then I went on to do Digging It. And I think that was three, three years, maybe three and a yeah. half years. think so. think so. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and Was that when it ended? I can't even remember when it ended now. It then became Tunatic. Oh, yeah, of course. I remember now, yeah. Because it was GMTV uh, Kids, so it was their output, because we also shared the studio with um, the Disney Channel, because it was Mm. all kind of incorporated. I see, yes, because digging it was was very Disney-orientated. So, um, and and then after that, you presented on Disney Channel, so was it just a natural progression because you were in the same studio, essentially? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, we were in the same building, same offices, and... As luck would happen, I don't know. I don't know who who had left. I don't know if it was James McCourt that had gone from uh, from the Disney Channel. So I think they were looking for someone else. But that was, I mean, that was brilliant because that was live every day. So it kind of went full circle. It went from CBBC every day to the weekend stuff, and then back to Studio Disney, which was live every day from four o'clock until seven on the Disney Channel. Um, yeah. There was loads of us, loads of presenters on that that were just having an absolute ball. It's brilliant. Yeah, I've interviewed um, one or two people from Disney Channel. One of them being um, Nigel Mitchell, and he spoke of it very highly. Were you on around about the same time? Yeah, I presented. With, I mean, Nigel Mitchell. He had come from Nickelodeon, um, and he, I mean, he is brilliant and just great fun. Knows his stuff and very, very good and very, very funny. He's a great guy. Absolutely, and um, was did you because you had to see a lot of uh, Disney programs? Did you ha- did you have a favourite Disney program that used to air on Dig It or uh, Disney Channel? I used to love uh, I used to love watching Recess because mm. I love, oh, I love that. The, the characters in Recess were all brilliant. You know your Spinellis and you know there was just everybody. If you took you know your UK high school and 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 made them all cartoon characters, they were all relatable. And I think that's what the key success was with, with Recess because everybody knew someone like a Spinelli or like a TJ or all these kind of people. I think that's why it was so successful. Yes, yeah, certainly, definitely. And um, I, I've asked this about like the, the other things. Like, um, 
with the Disney Channel, like again, was there a like a, a top memory or a, like a really cool experience that you got to do through that? I remember, we had to do um, well. We did all the the kids awards, which was always yeah. brilliant because um, that was once I think we were at XL in London. I think another time was was that Wembley? Did we do that? Or or the Albert Hall, the Royal Albert Hall. Um, but there was a a time because I'm such a big kid that we were we were filming, we were pre-recording something. And something happened, something stupid happened, but it really, really tickled me. So I had that kind of fit of the giggles. And so I laughed and then, right, okay, like moving on. And the studio time was quite valuable. So I said, let's move on again, roll into the cord. And, and I'd lost it again. And I just couldn't do it. So then I got put out the studio. Now I'm, I'm the presenter. <laughs> and myself and Abby. So... I'm outside the studio doors, which I then found even, it was like getting thrown out of the classroom. And I thought, hang on, I'm 28 years of age and I've been thrown out of my workplace for laughing. And that just made me laugh even more. And then I had my earpiece still in. I was still kind of mic'd up and had the earpiece thing. And I could hear them all talking about it. And they were going, why is it so funny? What's he laughing at? So then they repeated what had happened and what had been said. And I laughed again. And, and then, of course, the makeup and I had my makeup on and, the, you know, the tears were streaming and that. It was just absolutely brilliant. One of those kind of classic uh, yeah. bloopers, I suppose. Yeah, certainly. The, it, it is interesting to hear about, like, the you know, like the um, things that happen behind the scenes because, um, you know, normally children's television, what you see, it's all polished, it's all perfect, but it's always nice to hear those moments where it didn't always go quite right. And I, I guess it happens quite often with children's television, maybe more than... Grown-up telly, maybe. I don't know. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And that was one of my favourite, favourite things um, of, of, of recording. When you do it live, it's funny because you can laugh, but then you move on. But when you pre-record something, it's sometimes more difficult than live telly. Yeah. Because, because you have a chance. You know in the back of your head, this doesn't go well, I can do it again. Whereas if it's live, you're thinking, right, this has to go well. <laughs> it's very different. Yeah. Certainly. And because Disney um, is, is an international brand, um, through being on the Disney Channel, did you get to do anything outside of the UK at all? Yeah, we used to go over, we used to do a lot of things for the um, the Fundy Times, which is part of the Sunday Times oh, yeah. newspaper. So we'd get flown over to Italy to a new park that had opened, or we would go and do all these events and all these things. And I mean, as you said, Disney's such a, a huge um universal brand but it had gone full circle because when i was on the cruise ships before i'd started i was working for disney cruise line so it was disney that i worked for and then went full circle and all the way around to work for for the disney channel which was nice yeah yeah and um i suppose one of the perks of doing that did you get to like try the theme parks out and stuff like that yeah you get to do that and you always you know you, you kind of the disney channel or the disney shop or all yeah. these kind of things and, and events that were always on because everybody knows if there was a Disney event. I remember going to the premiere of Brother Bear, the Disney film, and uh, and Phil Collins was just getting up and doing a bit of an impromptu set. I was thinking, this is amazing, getting to do these kind of things. It was brilliant. Not bad, not bad at all. Sounds um, like they were really cool times. It was great. It was just, I, w- I, would, I would highly recommend it. I think it's one of the best jobs in the world because it doesn't seem like a job. You know, because you get so well looked after, um, and everybody's just everybody loves it, and everybody has a great yeah. time. 
Sounds like great fun. Um, so um, when did um, kind of your run with the Disney Channel finish? How long did you do with that? I think I was on, I think I think in total it was all about six or seven years in kids' telly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, the, but, I mean, the, the thing is, when I had started the Disney Channel, it was on every day, and then it went to, I think that was the kind of the start of the, the demise of that kind of kids' telly side of it. Not, not that I joined, I don't mean that, but um, I, I didn't close that channel. Uh, but it kind of went um, into um, non-envision presenters, uh, voiceover artists and things, um, and then everything kind of slowed down and, and kind of changed. You know, that's when all the digital telly stuff was coming in. And Saturday morning telly on ITV was Jeremy Kyle. Mm. Yeah. You know, it changed quite a lot. It certainly did. Certainly did. Um, sad times, but, you know, I, I'm probably, you know, I'm too old for it all now. So um, I would say that about my era, but I'm sure there are people, you know, like recent news about, you know, like the likes of CITV going to online only and losing the name and stuff like that. And the Disney channels now no more um, as a channel. It's all online. So all changes. Because, you know, everybody that you talk to, uh, certainly of my, my age group, you know, everybody has experience of, of kids' telly. You know, my my parents had it. They grew up watching kids' telly. I grew up watching kids' telly. I became a kids' telly presenter. Um, people of my age that have got kids, they've grown up watching kids' telly, you know, the nieces and the nephews and all that. But it's the it's the next generation that won't grow up with a, mm. with a kids' TV. And certainly that Saturday morning, manic, you know, your Ministry of Mayhems, your live and kickings, your you know, going live, all those kind of things just, you know, I've kind of gone from your terrestrial mainstream telly, which is such a shame because it's great fun. It is a shame. And um, one of the things I've said on this podcast over the years is that I feel like I'm kind of part of that last generation that would have that half three to half five block and that's it. And if you missed missed your favourite programme, that was it, unless you taped it. Um, You know, my kind of kids' TV watching ended towards the end of the 2000s. So I, I do feel like that that kind of last generation. And I say it's a shame, but I'm saying that from my own memories. I, I, you know, I'm not sure if kids would now would, would, would care. It's like, because it's amazing that you can, you know, that have a tablet or a computer and yeah. every single episode of, an example, say Peppa Pig, is, a, is there to watch, you know, yeah. on loop. It's not you have to wait till next week or whatever. It's different times. It's more accessible. Running home. The kids were running home from school to watch mm. kids telling. Yeah, and and kids were often late to leave for school for, for watching kids telly. You know, <laughs> getting out the door. You know, still still eating breakfast on the way out the door because they were watching the breakfast show, and they then they knew that that was when they could see it. Yeah, you know, and you know, yeah, definitely, definitely. It's uh, yeah, it's it's changed a lot in the last fifteen twenty years or so. Um, but um, like, so when you finished uh, children's television, you you continued in presenting, but more. I, I say grown-up telly, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I um, I kind of continued w- with that. Um, I went on to do um, some things down in uh, London for Channel 5. Um, I, did, I did all those kind of kind of quiz programme, shoppy things. I did them for a while. And then I was on this morning. They had a, a thing on the summer called The Hub. So yeah. I presented The Hub for a while and then came up to Scotland, came back to STV and uh, and worked, worked up here for a while, doing all the kind of presenting kind of bits and 
still still love it. It's still it's it's great and it's still nice. When I was out last week, actually, and somebody said, "God, you used to be on CBBC, didn't you?" And I was like, "How do you know that?" I thought yeah. all those viewers, I thought all those viewers were indoors now. Um, <laughs> it's amazing how many people still remember, which is lovely. Yeah. Really nice. What I found actually is with interviewing people is they say that they get recognised more now than they did at the time of when they were on kids' telly. Was that true for yourself, or did you get recognised a lot back in, in back in the old days too? Um, a bit of both, really, because the parents that were recognising, or back in the day, the kids would recognise you. Um, I remember being at McDonald's, and this woman said, what, what are you doing here? As if I'd just stepped out the telly. I was like, well, I'm getting a McDonald's. <laughs> the same as you and just you know um but the, it was so it was so nice that people would would and i've still got a lot of um a memorabilia things from cbbc you know the the, the black and the yellow branding and yeah. even photos and the, and the first time someone ever drawn a picture of me and sent it in and the cards and all these things so those are the people that are now aged to recognize you because mm-hmm. they're, they're older, they've got kids, you know, but it's it's such a nice thing to be associated with and to have yeah. been a part of um, because it's that, as we said before, it's that kind of dying institution thing, but it's it's great. I think I was the, when I counted everybody, I think I was the 21st presenter of CBBC. I think that's, you know, and then there was a couple, obviously, after all that kind of thing, but it's just, it's it's such a nice thing to have been a part of. Yeah, great stuff, great stuff, and it's been lovely hearing the memories. Um, so, w- what have you been up to more recently, kind of thing? I'm doing a lot of stand-up uh, mm-hmm. comedy, um, a new kind of branching into that kind of, uh, which is which is quite daunting, and going into you know clubs, comedy clubs, and standing up and 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 trying to be funny and and tell <laughs> and and basically, if you're going to stand up in a comedy club and be a comedian, you, you you're telling people that you think you're funny, which is quite kind of yeah, uh, scary at times. I do that. I'm doing. I do panto every year. Stand up shows, my own cabaret things, um, some radio work, uh, and and more kind of telly stuff. Hopefully, so. Well, it's been great hearing your memories about children's TV back in the day, and all the best with your stand up and uh, future projects. And uh, thank you for uh, taking part, Liam. Thank you so much for having me. It's been absolutely brilliant taking a wee trip down memory lane. I've loved it. Great stuff. Thank you. A big thanks to Liam for sharing his great memories there. And also a big thank you for listening as well. Now, I'll be back with one more episode for this series very, very soon. But until then, thank you and goodbye.